Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Sumter. Guys, I'm very grateful, thankful, and graceful to be here another day that's never a promise. Listen, guys, I just wanted to take some time to really, really just recognize each and every last one of you for your support, your commitment. Honestly, I see the reviews. I see the messages. It never gets unnoticed. And I just wanted to say to you all that's listening and tuned in, you may be at home, you may be at the gym, you may be at the office. It's to never stop believing, never stop dreaming, honestly. So as before we get into the show today, I just want you to take some time to really close your eyes, five to 10 seconds, and really visualize where do you see yourself in the next six months to a year? Like really, like honestly, guys, like really visualize where do you see yourself going? Because we know that tomorrow is never promised, so the time to start is now. Guys, I have a, a guest on the show today. I mean, a gentleman who sees the opportunity, sees his moment, but knew it was so much bigger than just him. Looked at his community, his environment, the family, and knew that he had to do something about it to change the circumstance and not be a product of his, of his environment to really change those lives around him. He's seen something, he decided to go for it, but he'd been criticized and he'd been looked at, you know, maybe because, you know, he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the bad, he wasn't the toughest, but he had the biggest heart. And he decided to continue to go for what he truly believed in, guys. I'm really excited, I'm thrilled to really interview this gentleman on my show. I mean, originally from Portland, Oregon, is an engaging communicator a leading expert at helping individuals seize their opportunities in life. Born and raised, like I said, in Portland, Oregon, he went to the University of Oregon where he was a two sports star in football and track and field. A 5'10", 157-pound wide receiver, he was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the 1988 NFL Draft and played nine seasons. With the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, the Kansas City Chiefs, and Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons played nine years as a profession where the average player's career last average of only 3.2 years is something special because he exceeded that. Two of those nine years was with the Hall of Fame quarterback, Joe Montana himself. He certainly was not the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest guy on the field but he knew how to seize once in a lifetime opportunity and maximize his success through dedication and hard work. In his presentations, he shares lessons from his experience as a small man in a big man's game. The time in the NFL has shaped the message that he now delivers to audiences around the world. After seeing the success and failures of others at the highest level, he developed a set of principles that others could follow to achieve greatness, no matter how they defined it or what they're pursuing. Guys, I want to take the time to introduce you to my special guest today, first time on the show, Mr. J.J. Burden. J.J. What's up, Terrell? How are you doing today? I'm doing well, good brother. I'm blessed, man, and humbled to have you here today. How are you Thank feeling? You. Appreciate the opportunity to be on the show and looking forward to sharing some positive information today. Yes, yes, absolutely, JJ. Let's dive right into it, good brother. 
hey man, when did the journey first really begin for you? I think the journey began uh, probably when I was young, you know, being raised in Northeast Portland and uh, which, which we would call the hood, you know, Portland has changed a lot, but back when I was young, it was definitely the hood. And, and uh, you know, I just saw a lot of people around me, whether it's friends, family members, who were making some of the same decisions. And I just felt everybody stayed in this cycle. They just stayed in this cycle and just did the same thing over and over. And just at a young age, I made a decision that I was going to do something different. I wanted to leave the hood. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to travel. I wanted to create opportunities for myself and my future family. So I guess you can say that's when the seed was planted. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to do something different. Right. Exactly. So when did it come to mind to tell you that, man, I want to leave the hood and I really want to be something in life when I get older? You know, I think it was just a struggle. You know, I was raised by a single parent, a wonderful mom uh, who just did, she did a great job and she worked hard taking care of myself and my brother and sister. But, you know, the food stamps and walking down the street to go to the laundry mat and just struggling and having difficult times and just said, I don't want that. I don't want that, I want something else. And so there was a hunger, there was a desire early on to, achieve you know to achieve greatness i didn't know where that was going to come from but the seed was planted the motivation was there and i guess you could say that was my why that was the motivation that's what was driving me and so as i've learned as a speaker when your why is strong enough the process to get there is not a challenge you will do whatever it takes and so i began that journey and i was ready to take on whatever was going to come my way Absolutely. When did it come to mind to say that I'm going to the NFL? I will be in the NFL. You know, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, Terrell, <laughs> NFL was not in the picture for years down the road. I, I never in a million years that I have think I could play in the NFL or have the desire to play in the NFL. Because I was more in you know, track and field. I was a fast runner. I could long jump. I was a hurdler. And I always thought that was kind of the route I was going to take. And as I was being recruited in high, from high school to college, uh, I was a good football player. I was the number one wide receiver in the state of Oregon. But at 5'9", 133 pounds, all the Division I schools just felt I was too small. And that's when I started forming a chip. I had a chip on my shoulder, like, oh, you think I'm too small, huh? I'll show you. And that was really kind of where it started because I just wanted to prove everybody wrong. And fortunately, I was able to get a track scholarship to the University of Oregon, but I had a plan. I had a plan. I said, somehow I'm getting on the football field to prove everybody wrong. And that second year, I begged the head coach, Rich Brooks, to allow me to walk on. I said, just give me a shot. Let me just try out. And he finally said, okay, come to camp. And I can remember going to camp my second year and seeing like 14 wide receivers on the depth chart. And I was like number 13. And most people in a situation like that, Terrell, would think like, okay, this is wasting my time. Why am I here? They're not going to give me a shot. But high achievers, we think differently. How fast can I move up the depth chart? That was my mindset. And it wasn't really about being cocky or overconfident. I already knew I had the ability. But what they didn't know was how bad I really wanted. They didn't know the grit. They didn't know the stamina. They didn't know the heart, what I was willing to sacrifice to get it. So needless to say, it took me two weeks and I was number two. I was backing up two seniors. 
And at that point, I was content. I'm playing college football. I'm running track. I'm good. So see, even at this point, I wasn't thinking about the NFL. And it wasn't until my senior year at Oregon, I was um, getting ready for nationals in track and field. I was a Pac-10 champion in the long jump. I qualified for the nationals. I qualified for the 1980 Olympic trials in the long jump. So I pretty much had a plan. But to my surprise, I was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Eighth round, 216th pick. Again, long shot. But I thought, okay, let's go check out the NFL just out of curiosity. Let's go to the 3A mini camp just to see what, what it's about. But I'm coming back, finish school, graduate, see if I can make the Olympic team. But when I went out to Cleveland, the third practice, I tore up my ACL ligament. Wow. My worst injury of my career. So you probably can imagine this is where the shift took place. And I'm a very positive person. And positive people see the bright side of everything. Even if it's, you know, uh, a setback, we right. see it as, okay, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to seize. And that's when the mind should said, okay, can't run track, so let's talk about the NFL. Let's see if we can right. do this. And that's really, really when it started to happen. In that first year, I was on the Cleveland Browns injured reserve. And when you're injured reserve, you're on the team, you get paid, you go to practice, you just can't play. Your job is to get healthy. But that was the year that I realized that I could play in the NFL. If I really want to, I can play. And that's really when the journey truly began about solidifying myself as one of the best football players in the world by playing in the NFL. Absolutely. And how did you overcome that setback? Like you said, for every comeback, every minor comeback, every minor setback, there's a major comeback. So yeah. How did you like, what steps did you really take to really overcome that injury that you faced? while really your start of the career in the NFL, like getting drafted by the Cleveland um, Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, it starts like you said. It starts with your mindset. Right. You know, you got to get the belief system in there. You know, whatever you want to achieve, you got to believe you can achieve it. So I had to get my mind right. Because, you know, I tore up my ACL and I had these hopes and dreams. And there was that moment of like, oh, where I was crushed. But then it was like, they just snap out of it. What's the plan B? You know, it's time to call an audible. What is it? Well, you have an opportunity here. And I always say, you know, setbacks are the perfect opportunities for comebacks. Wow. And I needed to get my mind right. Because when you got your mind right, your body will follow. So first it was that. Second was, what's the game plan? The game plan is, A, I got to get healthy. B, I got to learn how to play at this level. Because it's not high school. It's not college. You're playing against the best athletes in the world right. where every year 1696 men are on an active nfl roster think about the millions of people that are playing football 1696 men so i realized that i need to learn how to play at that level and that was the studying of the game studying the you know the other wide receiver studying film practice 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 and then putting in the work putting in the grind because the nfl didn't care that I was a 26-2 long jumper qualified for the Olympic trials. They didn't care. They said, prove you deserve to be here. Right. So it was really about putting in the work. And as I put those pieces together, it started to happen slowly but surely. I mean, there were some setbacks. Cleveland cut me the next year. Then I got calls from the Chiefs, the, uh, the Lions, the Packers. I flunked all their physicals because I had still swelling in my knee. 
Then the Dallas Cowboys called. I signed with the Cowboys. I was on their practice squad the entire year. They never played me in a game and said, when the season was over, we don't think you're going to be able to play in the NFL. So I continued to deal with setback, obstacle, and challenge. But in one of my keynotes, Terrell, I talk about in times of failures, in times of adversity, these are perfect opportunities for breakthroughs. Breakthroughs. And a breakthrough is where you have a sudden you know, quantum leap or some impactful jump, something amazing happens in your life because of a decision you made. Right. So when I dealt with all that rejection, I had a choice. Right. Either that was going to take me down and take me out yes. or take me to bigger and better things. And I made that choice that it was going to take me to bigger and better things. And I went to work again, got the call from the Chiefs, got activated, and the rest is history. Wow. I wanted to share something real fast. Guys, that's tuned in right now. You heard what this gentleman said. This is the beginning of his career. He went through an injury. He didn't know that he would be going to the NFL. Like, he ran track. This is something he was passionate about. He was a long jumper. But then he had so many people telling him, oh, you're small. Oh, you're not the biggest. Boom, boom, boom. But he let his heart do the talking. He let his work do the talking. He stood for something bigger than what they were saying. Yes, he was doing it to prove people wrong, but he was doing it to also prove himself wrong, to telling himself, JJ, I am going to do this. JJ, I will achieve this. I will achieve greatness. And I just think it's fascinating because as well, as he said that during his time and during his, his, his journey in the NFL, he was cut by Cleveland. He was cut by this team. He was cut by it. But one thing he didn't do was just give up on his shot. He just kept going. He kept going, guys, and that's sometimes we have to do along our journey, knowing that nothing worth having comes easy. It would never, it would never, honestly, and I just thank you really for sharing that because so many people really need to be woken up and step into that. So, JJ, let me ask you, just along this process as you're going through this, like what was, like, what was your thoughts at the time, like really just knowing that these teams just continue to reject you? Like, what was like, what was it like for you at that moment? Well, I'll tell you one thing I did not do. I didn't even flinch. And what I mean is that I didn't, at, at one moment during that journey, did I even think about quitting. Right. Never even crossed my mind. Because I already knew I had the ability. I saw the talent. I saw the athletes. I just needed to get healthy. And I needed an opportunity. I needed a shot. And so... The whole time, I'm thinking like, well, JJ, even though these teams are rejecting you, they're rejecting you at 75%, at 65%. Let's get you to 100% and let them see what you got. And so it required me to put in more work. And I think there's a message here because, Terrell, sometimes in our society, especially for some of our younger ones or millennials, that they have this entitlement syndrome. They think they're entitled to make a team. They're entitled to play. They're entitled to get the job. They're entitled to get the raise. But we know that's not how life works. You want a goal, you want a a dream, you want to achieve something, it's not going to be given to you. You got to go get it. And that was my commitment to myself was, JJ, how hard are you willing to work to get to 100%? And let me tell you this, Terrell, because I was known for my speed. Before my injury, I ran a, like a 4.39 in the 40. And that's fast in the NFL, 4.39. Absolutely. After my injury, when I recovered, I ran a 4.33. That tells you, not only did I put in the work, I went 
well and above putting the work because I came back stronger, I came back faster, and I came back more mentally prepared. So when I signed with the Chiefs, I said, okay, JJ, there's no excuse. You better make this team. And I told myself, if you don't make the team this time, then you got to look at something else. Because the way the NFL works is if you don't make it by year three, then they kind of label you. So I knew that this was the year. But I was, I was certainly confident that I was going to make the team. Absolutely. Who was in your corner at this point, man? Who really helped you get to that point to really say, I am going to make this team? I had a variety of mentors. I've always had mentors in my life. I had a trainer back in Oregon named Von Ray Johnson who always trained me during the offseason. Um, I had every team I went to, I always gravitated towards the experienced veteran wide receivers because these guys had already played. So they knew what it was like to play in the league. So every team, Cleveland, you know, uh, Dallas, I was picking the brains of these veteran wide receivers and learning from them because I knew that they could cut down that inevitable learning curve, you know. So it was kind of a, a, a variety. Even my high school coach, you know, Keith Hurston was still motivating me, my, my agent. So I had a lot of positive influences in my mind constantly, but I knew it was up to me. It's meant to be it's up to me. I was the one that was going to have to run the routes. I was the one that was going to have to catch the ball. I was the one that was going to have to make the plays, you know. So, um, but I always encourage everybody. I say, you know, the best athletes in the world have coaches. They have trainers. Don't be afraid to ask for help. So I always had those mentors, and I was always able to reach out to them when I needed to be lifted up. Absolutely. And what was it like for you playing with the, uh, Joe Montana himself, man? Like, how was that? That was pretty cool. I mean, Joe was the guy that I watched when I was in the eighth grade, watching him win Super Bowls for the 49ers. And all of a sudden, I'm in the huddle with Joe. I mean, that was like, man, that's Joe Montana. I mean, it was like, it was, um, it was kind of crazy. But the reality happened fast because I can remember the very first practice, the very first play we called X Hook, and I'm X. And I was excited about getting Joe's first pass. And I remember when I ran the hook, ran 10 yards, turned around, he hit me in the back of the head with the ball. First time, and I was like, Joe, when he was coming up, he goes, I've already read the defense. I know where the hole is. I throw the ball before you get there. So you better turn your head around faster. And it was interesting because I played with a lot of quarterbacks. But that was the first quarterback who I played with that was such a student of the game that his preparation was so far ahead of everyone else that it taught me that I need to step up my preparation because I got to see what he sees. And so he definitely made me a better receiver. But, you know, when you play with someone like that, the thought that comes to mind is that success leaves clues. Yes. And it's something I always encourage people that when you're around successful people, no matter whether it's family life, your personal life, business, sports, or whatever, what can you learn from them? The best way to learn is to watch them. Watch what they do. Watch how they prepare. Watch how they perform. Watch how they deal with adversity. Watch how they deal with success. Right. And with Joe, I learned so many things during those two years just watching him. Absolutely. I love that. Also, um, we do know what some of us may not know who may be playing football or so or may look into, like, really, you know, take it all away. But – what we do know is, yeah, you go ahead and catch the ball, but it's also a physical position too. 
And as you mentioned in one of your keynotes I watched, talking about playing against the great late Junior Seahaw, who I also grew up watching too. And just tell us about that, man. Like, just tell us a little bit what you talked about in the, 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 the keynote and everything of that nature. I'm going to just let you really go ahead and take, it, take advantage of it. Yeah, that's a really good point because like you mentioned earlier, my size was always in question. High school, college, even when I got to the NFL. 5'10", 157 pounds. I was one of the lightest girls in my years. And you just don't see NFL starters 5'10", 157 pounds. So while everyone was always questioning my size, I always said to myself that we're going to play like a big man. I'm going to play like I'm 6'5", like I'm a Jerry Rice. <laughs> so I remember when we were in a game playing against San Diego, and they called X crackback. That means I got to run down the field and go hit 260 pounds junior sale, one of the best to ever play. He's 100 pounds bigger than me. So here is the dilemma I would see wide receivers go through. They'd get on the line and they would look down there and see junior sale, and they would start second guessing themselves. I don't want to hit him. You know, that guy's big. He's going to hurt me. Or when they go down, and you see them go down half effort. Not me. I look down there and I say, hey, strap it up, go do your job. And I would run down and hit Junior as hard as I could. Now, Junior, he wouldn't move at all, you know. But when you saw the film the next day, all my teammates, the coaches, the owners, the executives saw little 88 sprinting down that field, trying to hit him as hard as he could to do his job. And that's why, as nine years in the NFL, nobody ever questioned my toughness. I would go over the middle, make the big catch. I knew I was going to get hit. I would go hit the linebacker. I would do whatever it took to fulfill my responsibilities as a teammate. But that's what you do to play at the highest level. Because if you don't, you get replaced. There's always a guy behind you ready to take your job. So true. Absolutely. And what was the most valuable lesson you learned from playing like nine seasons in the NFL? Probably the most valuable lesson was I put it into three categories because a lot of young people, a lot of young writers or athletes would ask me, hey, I just started the NFL, what tips do you have for me? I would say, one, do your job. Do your job. You know, show the discipline. You know, the ability to do what you need to do, when you need to do it, while no one is watching. Do your job. Yeah. Don't give them a reason to get ready. The second thing I would say is don't do anything stupid. You know, don't be out there acting a fool, doing anything that's going to give them a reason to uh, release you from the team because you're a cancer or you're a detriment to the team. Don't do anything stupid. And then the last one I would say is save your money <laughs> and network like crazy. Yeah. You know, save your money and network because obviously from a financial standpoint, we have an opportunity to make a decent amount of money. Now, obviously, not all of us made the crazy money, but we make a decent amount of money. I say, save your money, invest wisely. But I say, while you're an active player, Network like crazy. Make the contacts. Get to know different people in a variety of professions because when the game is over, you want to have options. You want to transition successfully into life after football. Absolutely. And so networking for me was, was really key because I got into several businesses because I networked with doctors and business people, so I made a transition. You know? So athletes of today, they got social media. They have the ability to network and build brands, and I encourage athletes to do that because 
when you're an active player, this is when you're the most valuable to people. You're an active player. People want to know you. They want to work with you. They want to be around you. So take advantage of that because you will be a retired player a lot longer than you will be an active player. Right. Absolutely. I love that you said, like, really save and invest and network. Because, you know, most people, what they're doing is they're trying to uh, splurge, man. They're trying to – they popping bottles or they spending, they buying the nicest cars. And I understand that, like, you got to do something much more. You know, exactly have that same mindset when you say, when I make it, I'm going to do this for this X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go ahead and give back to my community. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, build more so I can be able to help as many people um, create opportunities and be able to employ young kids and help train young kids. Or oh, I see a lot, what I love too as well, even from, you know, my city, Philadelphia, I see a lot of young guys, they building little football camps for the kids that's coming up and the kids that's in Pop Warner. So like that, I think that's good because that's keeping them out the streets. That's keeping them out the way. So I'm glad that you brought that uh, to mind. Um, yeah. And I'm let glad. me add this. When I retired, um, uh, another football player, Anthony Newman, who played for the Ducks where I was, and he played 12 years. But we started a free football camp in Portland, Oregon, because okay. when I was young, I couldn't go to any camps because right. I couldn't afford to go to any camps at all. So we had a free instructional football camp for 10 years we ran in Portland. Did not charge the kids. I remember the first year we had 150 the last year we had like 1,500. It got really, really big. The point is it was one of the ways I wanted to give back because like I said, from personal experience, I could go to no camps, but we gave the young ones in the area the opportunity to do that. And I love doing it. I love doing it. It's free. Just show up. You know? Absolutely. And how was that experience though? It was a great experience because one is, you know, we had to kind of put our business hats on because we were a charity and we had to go out and meet with businesses to, to um, you know, to get sponsors. And we were able to get Nike and some other big companies that sponsored us, which was great. Uh, and then it obviously taught us organization because even though it was free, we had to run it like a business. You know, we had coaching staff, administrative staff, organize it and do all that. And it was a great experience and, and taught me some skills that I use today in my, in my two businesses now. Absolutely. And what are those skills exactly that you implement into your life to help you become this achiever that you are today? Well, I'll tell you, the skills that I've really implemented today are a cross between what I learned as a professional athlete and also what I learned in the business world. The one thing about being an athlete is there's so many skills that you learn in the athletic world that are transferable into the real world or your personal life and your business life. You know, we were taught structure for one thing. I love structure. As an athlete, we were told where to be, when to be there. We had schedules. And so when I retired, I continued to do that. I have my own weekly schedule, my own daily schedule, um, so that I always know what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, so I can be on point. Um, when you're in the NFL, you don't have time to waste. You always have to be on point and be on purpose. And you have to do things at the best of your ability. So even today as a speaker and as a health and wellness coach, I operate my businesses the same way. Structure consistently at a high, a high level because no matter what I'm doing, I want to be the best of the best at what I'm doing and whatever I'm pursuing. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned structure as well. So as we just take a little bit back to like just that last game of playing in the NFL, exactly like how did JJ feel at that moment? 
and what did you see next coming for you? Well, it was about my sixth year was when I really started networking and started making contacts because, as I said earlier, I, I never expected to play in the NFL. And then when I got there, I was like, okay, let's see, year four is when an NFL player requires for or um, qualifies for a retirement. They become vested. So my goal was let's get to year four. Then it was like, let's get to year five. And it was like every year I was taking one year at a time. But about year six, I was starting already thinking about the transition and what I was going to do. So when year nine came around, my last year, I was ready to move on. Um, obviously had injuries when I played, but the beauty of it was is I never expected to play. I got to play. Not only got to play, I got to play nine years. And I thought, what an amazing opportunity. But I was ready to walk away because I always told myself I wasn't going to be one of those players where they just didn't know when to stop. They kept trying, and they had to literally drag them off the field. I said, no, I'm going to retire on my own terms. And so when I did retire, I had no regrets, and I was ready to move forward. Absolutely. And let's also point out as well, people, that J.J. played all nine seasons, correct? All nine. Yeah, one year I was on injured reserve, so okay. I was with Cleveland. But for the most part, yeah, I was out there all nine, except yeah, for that no. year. So I think that's amazing because you got to think about it. Nowadays, people are really, they're not built for it. And it's not about, that shows you, it's not about the size or, you know, how big or how tough you may be. But it's about the heart and dedication and the commitment that you put into the game. And J.J. seen that and he continued to go after that and take action every day. He learned from great Hall of Famers like Joe Montana and these people he played with people he played against as well. He said he studied the game, which we most, which we all mo must do when we play in this game in any sport. So, JJ, man, I've been really enjoying this show, honestly, and I thank you as well for really, really being here. What was life after football? So life after football first started with really giving back to my family uh, because I've been married now 29 years to my college sweetheart. Um, at the time, we had Congratulations. Three Oh, thank, thank you. I'm very proud of that because there's some stats out there for professional athletes in divorce. You know, so 29 years, going strong. Um, but, you know, during my career, my family's life revolved around me. It was all about me. It was all about my career. Because, you know, to play at the highest level, you've got to be on point mentally. And you have to be able to focus and do the things you need to do to perform like you need to perform. So when my career was over, it was all about my wife. It was all about my children. I wanted to make sure that I made it about my family. Um, and so that was really the focus. And I dove into the business world. Uh, we became owner of a couple different companies. And I ran two medical-based companies. And I was a West Coast sales manager for a fitness equipment company we were part owner of in Atlanta. Ran those for about 10 years. Um, the last 12 years, though, I got involved in direct sales. I've been working with a company called Isagenics which I love because it's health and wellness. And then five years ago, I finally launched something that I've been planning to do it was one, write a book, become an author, and to launch my speaking career. Because when I was in the NFL, Terrell, during the off season, I learned when I was with my first team that NFL players had the opportunity to go do appearances, where you could go to a school, you could go to a business, you could go to an organization, and you could speak, you could talk or whatever. Now, I didn't like to speak in front of people. But I thought, man, here's an opportunity for me to develop the rest of my life. 
So I would do appearances during the off season, and I got to the point where I really liked talking in front of people. So I knew at some point I would launch a speaking career, and, and I finally was able to do that, which is now being a professional speaker, and I love it. Because everything that I've learned as an athlete, as a father, as a husband, as a businessman, I can apply to those I speak to, teach them success tips and strategies to help them elevate themselves, help them change their situation in life and achieve the goals that are important to them. So, uh, so it's what I'm doing now and I love it because it's about how can I help people achieve their goals in life? Absolutely, I love that. And um, how long did it take you to get over that hump? Like, like you said, at first you wasn't really, you, you didn't speak in front of audience. You played in the game and you played in front of audience, but you never spoke. So how long did you like really get through that process and what did it feel like? Yeah, it, it took some time because it's, you know, they say what one of the biggest fears people have is speaking in front of people, Absolutely. you know. And so I went through that process. Uh, I remember speaking to some schools and then grade schools and then high schools and some businesses. But as I became more prepared, you know, when I was putting more time in my preparation, I became more and more confident. But I'll tell you when it happened. When I was with um, about seven years ago, being in direct sales, I've had the opportunity to train, you know, teams and, and companies. And I was speaking in front of one of our audiences for Isogenics, and there was like 15,000 people in the audience. And I was on stage. And I remember when the event was over, the next week they sent me a CD of a clip of me speaking. And I was watching it, and I thought, man, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm not nervous. I'm up there just speaking. It's 15,000 people, and I was like, okay, it's time to launch the speaking career. But I'll tell you what I did, and this was the key. And I talked about mentorship. I went and hired a mentor, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Will Moreland. He's a, a successful speaker, best-selling author, and I went to one of his seminars, and when, when I heard him, I said, that's the mentor. That's the guy that I'm gonna hire to be able to help me launch my speaking career and write my book. Mm -hmm. Because like I mentioned earlier, it's always good to find a mentor, someone who's already walked the road you're trying to get on. And Dr. Will was the one who was instrumental in training me and teaching me and helping me launch my speaking career and helping me write my book. And so he was very instrumental in, uh, in what I've created today as a speaker. Absolutely. And what's, uh, what's like the greatest advice you ever received from that mentor? So, some... the, the best advice he's given me, he's given me a lot. One of my favorites is he's saying, JJ, always remember this. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. It was his way of saying that whenever you do something, no matter what it is, you try to find someone who has the experience, has success, and allow them to give you feedback, honest feedback, whether you like it or not. He said, because the people who are champions, who really want to get better and improve, they will take that feedback to heart. They won't take it personal. They won't get offended. Instead, they will eat it up and learn from it and make themselves better. And I love it because when we think about the feedback is the breakfast of champions. Champions that. welcome that feedback because that's how you get better. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. JJ, I wanted to take some time, which I do each and every show, to really show some gratitude, man. Honestly, for you being present today, for you taking the time to be on. You you, I know you got a busy day and it's the summer. It's been a lot of time. And we wanted to thank today's sponsors brought to you by Anchor.fm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the 
easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's completely no charge. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, where it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and many more. Guys, it's everything you need to make a podcast. Honestly, it just takes for you to really get started. Go ahead and download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm and look forward to seeing you create your show. Yes. And our sponsors today brought to you by Spotify. You can listen to all your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify also has a huge catalog of shows on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite shows so you never miss an episode. Premium users can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you are. Easily share what you're listening to with friends on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app. Search for the Inspire Before We Expire podcast on Spotify or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of the Inspire Before We Expire show. Let's get it. Time with family and things of that nature, but you decided to be on the Inspire Before We Expire show. And me and my audience really appreciate you being here, sharing nothing but gems of where your journey first began. You really, um, you know, and the steps you took to really get to who you are today. I just think that's phenomenal. You know, may thought about, man, should I continue? But you always had that inside. You had that inside and nothing would ever stop you. But you said, this is bigger than me. This is way bigger than me. I know my why. I know that I'm going to keep going because I have family in my community that's looking upon me. I have people, young kids that's looking up to me and knowing that it's not, it's not easy and it's not impossible, but the word himself spells I'm possible. And you showed it each and every step of the way, man. So I just wanted to say really thank you for being here and congratulations to you, all your success and who you became throughout your process and throughout the years, man. Thank you, honestly. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And you allow me to use this platform to share my message because, you know, I'm all about sharing positivity. I'm also about sharing success tips. I want people to achieve what, what their goals are. And that's why I always talk about seizing your opportunities. Every day we wake up, we have opportunities. The question is, are we going after them? Are we attacking them or not? And if I can help people seize and maximize those opportunities, then I'm doing my job. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about the books, man. One Opportunity Knocks, an Ace Safari Ways to Take Advantage. Oh, man, I just love that. I just love the title. Let's, let's dive right into it. Yeah, and I tell you, the reason why I, I wrote the book was because during my journey, Terrell, I saw so many people miss out on opportunities, you know, whether it's a goal, a dream, something they want to achieve. They miss out on them for whatever reason, you know, or some might have grabbed the opportunity but they couldn't maximize it. They couldn't really maintain it. And I've always felt that I'm like the poster child of seizing opportunities. I've been doing it my whole life and I continue to do it to this day. So I wanted to write kind of like a blueprint. Here's what it takes to seize and maximize the opportunities in life. And I wrote it for everyone. 
young, old, male, female. It's for everyone because we all have something we want to achieve. And so it's been a, a, a great opportunity for me to be able to share some stories and some lessons that I've learned and then you know, translate those into action steps, steps that people can apply and take away in their life. And um, I wrote it about three years ago and it became an Amazon bestseller, which was- Congratulations, congratulations. Which was exciting, you know, and you know, it's, it's kind of cool when they can say, not just, you know, motivational speaker and author, they can say motivational speaker and best-selling author. Kind of has a nice ring to it, so. Um, but I'm excited about writing another one. It's, it's something about when you do the first one, but Terrell, I can't wait to write another one. I just feel I have so much more to share, but um, I want to thank everybody who's ordered the book. I've had so many people order it. They continue to order it. And, uh, and I love it when they share like one little takeaway that's really inspired, that's, that's truly helped them. Absolutely. If you mind sharing just a takeaway from one of the books and exactly where the people can, I know it's Amazon, but where else can they find and purchase the book and support? Yeah, I'll tell you, the best place to get it is my website. Okay. Because if you go through my website, jjburden.com, I sign every book. Okay. You know, if you go to other sites, I don't, I don't get it. Right. If you go to my website, I will sign the book personally to whoever buys it, you know. So, um, and when you go there, once you place that order, you also have an opportunity on my page. I have what I call the Burden Report, which is my monthly motivational newsletter. Once a month, I try to write one motivational piece to all my subscribers to just keep them in line and moving forward. You know, so um, as you can already tell, I'm just all about spreading positivity, sharing content that people can actually use and implement in their daily life. Absolutely. I love that. Guys, if you're listening right now, and ladies, go ahead and purchase JJ's book. Honestly, best-selling book on Amazon and also his website as well. As he said, he personally signs himself. And honestly, guys, you just really stay tuned. You know, you got another book coming, doing some great things. JJ, now I was looking at another keynote of yours, and something came to my attention. That's something I wanted to bring to the attention, which you also stand for in here. It's about giving and really helping those who may be in challenging spaces and just don't know how to get out of. Now, I know you said that there was one time where there was five children. It was really, it was about to go to a foster home and you got the call where just, oh man, like you decided to really take them into your home. I just think that's phenomenal. So just tell us how that came about. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was about 11 years ago. Um, when my wife and I got the call. And like I mentioned earlier, we had three children, um, LeJordan Jr., Dante, and Camille, and we were just a perfect little family of five. And everything was going fine. All of a sudden, we get this call from my nephew, Justin, who was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there were some problems out in Tulsa with um, my brother-in-law and my sister. So 24 hours later, I fly out to Tulsa to check on my five nieces and nephews and find out that it's a lot worse than I thought. 24 hours later after that, Terrell, I'm in a courthouse standing before a judge and the judge tells me that they're going to take our five nieces, the five nieces and nephews and put them in five separate foster homes. And um, it was a moment of truth. It's like, what do you do? I mean, that was not what I expected. But, um, you know, I did what any smart husband would do. I said, Judge, let me call my wife. And I called my wife. We talked about it for about a couple of minutes. We both said, can we really sleep at night knowing we could have made a difference? And we took all five of our nieces and nephews 
we gained guardianship over there. Then we immediately merged them into our family and our family overnight went from a family of five to a family of 10. And um, when we did it, Terrell, and this was really disappointing. So many people, our family members, some of our family members and friends, said, why would you do that? They questioned what we, what we were doing, but my wife, Rand, and I, we saw it as an opportunity to impact five more lives. And, and I believe we did that. But at the same time, I believe they impacted our lives as well, especially my children too. Uh, but needless to say, it's been an exciting 11 years. It's a little crazy at the beginning, right. trying to make this thing happen, trying to get them in rooms and, you know, and then trying to afford eight kids. But we pulled it off and I'm proud to say only two are left in the house. <laughs> All the kids have graduated, they're moving on. We have, we have two left in the house, my two nieces. One, the last one just graduated, she's uh, now 18. And then my other niece is 22. So um, the job is all, well, I won't say the job is always um, almost done because it's your job as a parent, never done. Yes. But my wife and I are almost empty nesters. So we're looking forward to that. <laughs> that that's big. I wanted to recognize that, honestly, because you know, I lost my mother at the age of five years old. She died. Mm. And, um, you know, I was like also trying to, you know, we was, it was, I'm the youngest out of four. And, I went to live with my aunt because I was mentally challenged. I started to like really slack in school. I didn't know basic math. I didn't know how to write no more. I didn't know how to read. And she really helped me get through that process. But what I acknowledged about my brother is he kept a promise to me and said, man, I'm going to come and get you. It might not be now, but I'm going to keep that. I'm going to do that. And long story, make sure he kept that promise and he guided me. So that kind of, when you said that, when I looked at that and I watched that video, it almost brought a tear to my eyes because I'm still human. Because at the same time, you said, I have my kids, I have my family. I've been married for 27 plus years, still going. You know, I'm out of the NFL. I just want to focus on my family, my business, my career, my health. Some people would have said, man, I'm not taking in an extra 10 people. You said, I see this as a blessing. And for every lesson that I've been through, there comes a blessing. And it will help me grow in ways that I ever thought I could. Honestly, you stand for so much more, JJ. I must say, man, it's one of the most favorable, exciting, intriguing, influential, and trill interviews I've ever done because I've did so many with so many good. But this one here, by you taking in 10 people and you saying they each achieved, they each graduated, you got two people, you got two of them still left in your home, and you still helping them being that uncle plus father in their life when nobody else believed and seen something in them. Guys, are you listening? Like, honestly, this gentleman here is powerful and in living in God's and doing God's work each and every step of the way. JJ, I just want to acknowledge that to you, man, because I just think that's powerful. And shout out to all your nieces and nephews, plus your kids and your family, man, because I just think that big. And then you look at people, people look at you on the outside looking in. Why did you do that? Why wouldn't I? You see a moment, you see an opportunity why not seize this? And this man stands for opportunity. You seize yeah. that opportunity, not for something to be received, but for me to give to them. Because guess what? When I was younger, I knew what it was to be in this place. I knew what it is to be in a single parent home and things of that nature. So I must do when I get older to really help my family, man. I love that. Honestly. Well said. Well said. I appreciate that. But I'll tell you what, you know, it really helps when you have the right partner. You know, my wife is incredible, you know, because, you know, she was key. And I'll be honest, when I was at the courthouse, I said to my wife, I said, hey, 
I will leave the children here. I don't want to do anything that's going to disrupt our family. And my wife was the one who said, could you really sleep every night with a clean conscience knowing we could have made a difference? Now, how many women would do that? Already have three children and then take on five more, you know? So having a partner like her and her and I as a team has been instrumental. And I got to, I got to give a lot of love to her because she's been incredible. She took all of the man, and you should have seen her. She went from cooking for three, cooking for eight. She was making double, triple batches of food. And, you know, I watched her do her thing. And it's, it's a joy to be married to someone that you have the same morals, you have the same principles, you have the same loves, you have the same goals. So uh, shout out to my wife, Raina. There you go. Absolutely. Shout out, shout out. Oh, man, I love that. JJ. How do we, for those who like really tuned in right now, how do we take advantage of championship moments? Well, I would, I would say this. I give everybody, I'm going to give them a five-step process. The first one is you got to figure out what your why is. What is important to you? Why are you pursuing what you're pursuing? I mean, think about this. No matter what you're pursuing, if it's a personal goal, if it's a business goal, if it's a family, what is it? Why are you pursuing it? Because you got to know your motivation. Because if your why is not strong enough, when it gets difficult, you'll quit. You'll throw in the towel. So I say, first, why, do you, why are you doing it? And to find out, Terrell, I always tell people, you got to what we call peel the onion. An onion has multiple layers. You got to peel the layers to get to the core. To find out your why, your motivation, you got to ask yourself questions like, okay, so why are you doing this? When you give an answer, you say, why is that important to you? When you answer that, you say, why is that important? You got to keep digging until you get to the core. That's the first thing I say. The second thing I say now, you got to put some kind of game plan. Put a game plan together on how you're going to achieve that why, how you're going to achieve that goal. There's got to be some kind of strategy, something that you are following. The next one I say is find a mentor. Find someone, again, who has already achieved success who is always already the walking example that you are following. Find them and allow them to teach and, and, and inspire you. And the next one is you got to go to work. You got to be willing to do the work. Because Terrell, a lot of people want success. A lot of people want goals. They want to achieve this. But not everybody wants to do the work. Not everybody, we used to say in the NFL, not everyone likes it noisy. Not everybody wants to get in there and get, and get hit and hit those big boys. Not everybody wants that. So they got to be willing to do the work. And then the last one is this. When you achieve success, because you will, don't get complacent. Don't get satisfied. And this is what I see a lot of people do in life. They achieve a goal. They have a great week, a great month, a great year. They achieve something, and they rest on their, loyal, their laurels. They get comfortable. Let me tell you what the best ones do. They say, what's next? They keep challenging themselves. What's next? They set the next goal. It's a little higher. It's a little scarier. And then they go after that. What's next? That's one of the ways I've been able to avoid complacency. And that's one of the things I encourage everybody. When you achieve greatness, you pat yourself on the back and you say, what's next? And you keep pushing and challenging yourself. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Just each, every step. Guys, make sure to take notes and implement that. Oh, man. Um, I love that. 
and what keeps you grounded like on a day-to-day -day basis well i tell you just you know the way i was raised the way my mom raised me with good morals and principles and just you know um she'd always just teach me things about humility and you know treat people the way you want to be treated you know don't think just because you've achieved something that you're better than anyone else and it's one of the things i always reminded myself as a professional athlete because i was in this world of professional sports and everybody was excited about and i used to say you know this is my job this is what i do to take care of my family just because i wear a jersey and i'm in the nfl I'm not better than anybody else. So I always try to treat people with respect. And to this day, I try to do the same thing. And I've tried to instill those principles in my children as well. And so, um, you know, I like to challenge every day. And, you know, I'm still competitive with myself. And I like to challenge myself with projects and different things I'm taking on because I'm always excelling and looking for excellence. And I just posted something on my Instagram story. And I always say this every day I wake up. Every day is a new day to be better than I was yesterday. How can I be better today? Yeah. And, and, I, and I push myself every single day to do that. Absolutely. And a young kid that's out there right now, JJ, chasing his dreams to go to the NFL, what advice would you really give to him? Like, what would you say to him right now at this moment? I would probably say two things. I would say one is you find a good coach. Find a good coach and do what they tell you to do. Coaches have experience, coaches reach that level for a reason. They can teach you something. Don't question them, just do what they tell you to do. That's the first thing. You know, they want you to, you know, run 20 hills, you go run 20 hills. They want you to catch a thousand balls, you catch a thousand balls. Do what they tell you to do. The other part I would say is always have a plan B. Always pursue your academics. Always try to be, you know, putting the same amount of effort in athletic in academics as you do in athletics. Because even as a student athlete, I made sure I did well in high school, I graduated from the University of Oregon, so I always made sure I had a plan B. Because you don't know what's gonna happen with the sports dream, but as long as you always have that plan B, you always have something else to go to. So um, yeah, I, I just say that, you know, find a good coach, do what they tell you to do, and always have a plan B. There you go. I love that. And out of all the keynote speeches you done did so far, what was that most favorable one that you had so far, that most highlight moment? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that. That's a good question. Um, man, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I've been getting some really good ones. I've been speaking a lot in the financial industry and where you're speaking in front of anywhere from 200 to 400 um, um, in audience. But I'll probably tell you the ones that, and this just happened recently, I was speaking to um, Wells Fargo's top advisors, about 350 of them, and I was sharing the story about my family. And, and it was a teaching point, and I was teaching them how sometimes in life you've got to call an audible, you know, you're throwing a curveball, you've got to adjust, you've got to adapt, you've got to have a new game plan. But I really appreciate how they appreciated the story. They got the message, but the, just the respect, and they gave me applause and standing ovation, how they just appreciated the fact, like you said, the choice my wife and I made and how we were able to impact five more lives. 
because advisors, that's what they do. They impact people's lives. And they're working with hundreds and hundreds of people and helping them with their finances and giving them financial security and so they can plan for retirement and the things they want to do and leaving a legacy. So uh, I probably would say that because when your audience really gets your message and they express it in that way, it makes it very worthwhile as a speaker. So true. I love that. I love that. I love also just engaging as well when you can engage with your audience and you can feel, you can see that tear come down somebody's eyes, especially oh, yeah. our men, you know, bring that vulnerable side out. Honestly, I love that. Honestly. And I've had a lot too, Terrell. <laughs> a lot of them come up afterwards. <laughs> men, women, they will, they will, they get emotional about that story. They really do, you know, but as a speaker, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to share content to touch people's heart, to touch their mind, to move them in a direction. And when I put my content together, I carefully select it so that they can feel what I'm trying to teach them. And that feeling, that emotion motivates them to, to action, whatever it is they're trying to pursue. Absolutely. That's amazing. Phenomenal, phenomenal. And I wanted to give you some space, uh, JJ. I know it's been half hour felt like we've been because we, we just touching we just going 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 and that's what i love about really connecting and really building that relationship and establishing something long term i wanted you to give some space to really share something that you haven't got to share something in such a long time with people you can share with the audience and listeners and supporters that's out there right now and just feel free to share you know what you felt like you haven't got to share in such a you know a good while something that's been in the membrane well, I, I think, you know, one of the things I'm excited about is just some of the new um, content I'm putting together. You know, as a speaker, I've had a main keynote called Seizing Your Opportunities, which is falls in line with my book. And this year I launched three new keynotes I'm real excited about because you, as a speaker, you start getting a feel for what the audience responds to better from you. You start getting a feel of the type of content you want to share. So my three new keynotes, one is called, There Better Be an I and Team. And this is taking the spin on there is no I and team, which is true. It's all about your team. It's not about you. But I flipped it. And this leadership training, it's about you can't lead a team until you lead yourself. Yeah. And that's what There Better Be an I and Team is all about. My other keynote is called Owning the Championship Mindset. And it's all about mindset. Because as you know, you can't achieve anything in life if you don't get your mind right. Yeah. You know, if you don't control your mindset, because in any situation, one small idea, one small thought can take you this way up or it can take you down. And it's our ability to master our thinking. And that's going to be key to being successful. And then the last one, which is actually for the youth and for athletes it's called every day is game day it's yeah. teaching our young ones the importance of giving your best every single day because in the nfl trail we didn't just give our best on sunday it was monday through sunday it was practice <laughs> meetings weight room film session you had to bring your best yeah. to be able to play at that level and so i want our young ones to understand that that's what life is about Nothing's going to be given to you. But if you develop the right habits and always give your best every single day, 
opportunities will open up. And so, so those are my four new keynotes, and I'm going to start promoting the three, three new, excuse me, my three new keynotes. But um, it's just nice as a speaker to be evolving yeah. and adding more content as I've seen more and more companies want to hear me speak more often. Absolutely. That's phenomenal. Congratulations on that too as Thank well. You. That's big. I love the last one. Every day is a game plan. You know, honestly, because some people want to work when they feel like working is like every day it takes something, you know, for you to really get to that next level. Um, so when it's all said and done, JJ, what do you mostly, mostly, mostly want JJ Burden be remembered for? Well, probably just remember that, remember, be remembered as I was, I was one of the good guys. I was one of the guys who worked hard. I was one of the guys who was very committed to his family, you know, a husband, a father. Uh, I was a guy that you could always count on. Just one of the good guys. So I mean that when people think of me, they think of a host of positive qualities and positive comments that they can think of me as a whole. And, you know, that's my life has been all about positivity and always being one of those guys that people say, man, He's a hard worker, he's a great leader, you know, he's a great friend, he's a great, he's good at this, this, this. That's what I want to be remembered for. And, and that's what, you know, as a father, I try to leave and instill in my children uh, about leaving some kind of positive legacy. And so, um, you know, we're doing our best. We're always learning, we're always growing, we always can get better, but uh, we're, we're doing our best. Absolutely, that's amazing. I think it's phenomenal as well as, just knowing that you have this here and then you got the family as a father, as a husband, and then your business and your career and everything. And you just showing fully up in each and every last one of them. I just think that's, you know, incredible along with other things, you know, and giving back to your city and stuff like that. Um, oh man, that's, that's, that's incredible. And, you know, when you think of the term that inspire before we expire, what comes in mind? Well, I think it's pretty much leaving your mark, you know, doing something meaningful, doing something you're proud of, doing something that's going to impact as many lives as you can, you know, leaving your mark. And I think we all have to figure out what that's going to be. But um, I, I like the name of your, uh, your podcast because it just, it really stood out, something unique. But it sends a clear message. How are you going to make a difference while you're on this earth? You know, how are you going to leave your mark? How are you going to leave, leave an impact? Absolutely. And we about to get out of here in a few, Jay. Um, if you could just share your website where they can get your courses, your training, look up, get in contact with you, show you some gratitude for being on the show. Um, and things of that nature and just um, other things that can get in touch with you, social medias and stuff like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so I would definitely say go to jjburden.com. That's my hub. Uh, that'll give you access to me all over social media, myself as a speaker. Um, I'm all over social media under the username JJ Burden. Look me up. I love the internet, interact with people. I'm very active on social media because I love to build new relationships and engage. And, um, and I would just say, you know, if you want inspiration, you want motivation, make sure you sign up for my YouTube channel, uh, my, the Burden Report, because you're always going to get something positive, something inspirational, some type of content that's going to help you think and move you in the direction that you want to go in. So uh, I appreciate you, Terrell, giving me the opportunity to share on today's podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Thank you for being here, most importantly, as well. 
Guys, go ahead and connect with J.J. Burden, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Honestly, came a long way from the NFL. Didn't decide to just sit down and watch good times, but decided to make his life and, and cherish the good times with his family and friends and everybody else in his life. Listen, guys, subscribe to the Inspire before we expire. Follow J.J. Burden on all his social media. Get his best-selling book as well on his website, jjburden.com as well. Also, Amazon. Leave him a review. Honestly, guys, and share your biggest takeaway that you got from this interview today. Because listen, this doesn't come overnight. Connections don't build overnight. It builds over time when you're doing the work, when you're just being yourself and just showing authenticity each and every day, every step of the way. Honestly, guys. And I just wanted to say, man, thank you all for being here, for being present. JJ, thank you so much for your time. Wish you more years of success. Looking forward to that next uh, book you got coming out and everything else that's exciting for you, man. Honestly, um, really enjoyed this today. Hope you enjoyed it as well. And just wanted to say, guys, thank you for your time. I'm Terrell Sumter. That's my guy, JJ Burden, the one and only, honestly, athlete, entrepreneur, former pro athlete, um, Oregon Ducks alumni, Hall of Famer. Shout out to them as well. I mean, just all the incredible father, uh, husband, friend, just a faith-driven gentleman. I mean, just a, a natural, natural born leader, guys. And this is the Inspire Before We Expire, and we're out. Woo!